Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Pella Window and Door of Georgia, viewed to be the best. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. You know, I've got the greatest job in the world, and I love what I do here as the host of Dog Nation Daily, presented by Pella Window and Door of Georgia. And in the years of doing this, we've had lots of really good weekends. I don't know how many of them have been better, though, than this past weekend when you talk about Dog Nation invasion on the Tennessee River as a lead-in to a wonderful win for UGA against Tennessee. Now, if you're watching on video today, you see me kind of showing off the uh, Dog Nation on the uh, Tennessee River t-shirt here. Very, very proud to wear this today. Very proud of all of you who seem to have a really good time on our big event there on Saturday. Now, you're going to have to give me a couple of days here on this because we're obviously trying to kind of regroup and sort of uh, put it all together, uh, back together after being gone this weekend. But I'm looking forward to showing you in the days to come some of the fun that we had around this wonderful event. And what I love here is is that when we made this T-shirt, this T-shirt was kind of like an artist rendition of sort of what we hoped the uh, dog nation invasion what sort of look like but what you actually see is for those of you watching on video the actual real thing ended up being almost exactly what we sort of planned it to be in fact uh, a couple of you sent this to me i'm going to show one of these right now matt rukavina big thanks to our friends of the sec network who during their sec nation uh, morning show kind of showed off here the uh, event and I, i'll tell you our our team bj sweeney who you've heard us talk about before faraday pippen one of our newer folks and the uh you know whole host to people lance and and a whole group of people who just helped you know get all of this together here you know the way in which we had the uh, riverboat decorated with all that cool signage the dog nation flags flying which i thought was a wonderful touch and i mean how about this and if you're not watching on video i I do realize that you don't see this and by the way thank you to matt rucavina for sending this in but how about this perfect image here of the Dog Nation riverboat just sailing like right there in front of Neyland Stadium? If you want to talk about the whole like image that kind of tells the story of the takeover that took place, this from the SEC Network on television uh, shared with uh, us by so many of you, like this just kind of gives you that scene, that look right there. This was truly one of the special days in Dog Nation history, and we'll obviously talk more about that in the time to come. But thanks those of you who kind of shared that it was just a really cool thing to be able to see but it also kind of leads into a really big day for Georgia on the field and obviously I kind of expected this game to be closer many of you have been kind enough to point out the error of my ways when it comes to the uh, prediction I think by now a lot of you know uh, that I try to give big loud opinions try to try to be as clear as I possibly can about them I've never taken myself too seriously obviously I'm going to get plenty wrong you can just add this to the list of, of things that I've been wrong about and hopefully I've never pretended to be more of an oracle than I actually am at least I hope not because that'd be pretty gross to be you know that uh lack in self-awareness but the, the point here is is that with Georgia going on the road and being more dominant frankly than I expected it to be handling the environment that Tennessee fans created there at the beginning with such ease boy I think it really tells you something about Georgia right now and the comparison I've made a couple of times is because I also thought that Georgia might be in for a tough game when it played here in 2021 and that was before Georgia had broken through and won the national championship. And to me, Georgia going on the road when it did to Neyland Stadium in November of 2021, winning easily, shaking off the hostile crowd, 
you know, getting a dominant win the way that it did then was to me a really important data point in demonstrating this was a Georgia team that had a chance to truly be different, had a chance to truly be special. And that team went on to win the national championship there that season. I thought Saturday's game was a little bit of the same kind of thing here where when you see Georgia go out there and shake off the early touchdown, shake off the loud crowd, really play as well in Neyland Stadium hostile environment as it had played against Ole Miss in a friendly environment the previous Saturday, you were once again reminded that this Georgia team is built very much similarly. Now, the overall component pieces and the and the, maybe the playing personality and the identity is slightly different than the last two teams, but in terms of just sort of the stellar standard that's set on a week-to-week basis, this Georgia team is very much in keeping with those previous Georgia teams of the last two national championship seasons I think Saturday's game became another like really strong reminder of of, of all of that but then beyond that there is also like the historical precedent going on here where Georgia has now won 28 straight games Georgia has now capped off uh you know an eight and O streak in the regular season of the SEC now for a third straight year and this league went to an eight game conference schedule going back in 1992 and no one's done eight and O three straight years the way that Georgia just finished that off on Saturday so as we kind of move into a Thanksgiving week as we kind of move into a time when we all think about the things that we're grateful for obviously in our own lives we have plenty to be grateful for but in our sporting lives as sports fans we also have tons to be grateful for here right now and it's the way in which Georgia is doing all of this making something that's far more difficult than Georgia makes it look happen with regularity and seemingly with ease those of us who are Georgia fans have a lot to be grateful for and on Saturday Kirby Smart kind of talked about that the the appreciation that 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 he has for what Georgia's doing but also kind of staying in that grind and trying to make sure it keeps happening and trying to offer the explanation of well exactly how is it that Georgia is able to have the success that it's able to have game to game week to week month to month and now year after year after year smart offered some reflections on that on saturday this is some of what kirby smart had to say a lot of work man a lot of buy-in you know we spend a lot of time in the offseason building our roster and i'm not talking about portal kids or recruiting kids i'm talking about like take what we got and make what we got better than what they got and if that means meeting with a kid and, and, and selling our culture and selling that marcus rosemey's got a crack on a block and, and that's more important than any catch he makes and if the kids believe in that, they do a great job. Uh, but we get a lot of outside help. We contract with people that come in and help us uh, build a, a really, I really believe our cultures are different. Everybody will say it's players. I just don't think that, 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 that it's just players. Uh, we got good players, we got really good players. But I think there's a lot to our culture that kids buy into and they stay level-headed. You know, they're, not, they're, not, they're not talking about the street. They're not worried about the street. I mean, like I said, it's going to end and we're going to start a new one. But for right now, they just keep getting better. Right now, they just keep getting better. And and folks, I, I don't think we can overstate how not easy that is to keep getting better after you've already tasted greatness and then you taste greatness again and all of a sudden now you have the kind of culture in place where these Georgia players look around and say hey I want some more greatness I want to share this greatness with my teammates and Kirby mentioning Marcus Roseme Jacks ain't by name I want to go participate in a crackback block that opens up something for somebody else as opposed to having the kind of uh, individual accolades that other players seemingly chase other places and you know how true this is because you know our, our buddy David Cooper who we kind of reference 
reference on Friday's show, kind of challenging Georgia fans to do what we did with Dog Nation Invasion and go there and really demonstrate just how much red and black travels in situations like this. You know, he was also on social media again on Saturday talking about the way in which Georgia sometimes gets negatively recruited of, hey, come here and get more stats. Don't go to Georgia. You know, don't do that. Come here and get more stats. They're not going to cultivate you. They're not going to they're not going to give you, you know, what we can give you here. And that's the kind of thing that Kirby Smart doesn't talk about a lot publicly, but pretty clearly privately uh, aggravates this program. So when we have it when they have a chance to come out into a game like this and flex and just show how many different guys they can get involved offensively, of course they're going to want to do that. But the culture at Georgia says, hey, you know, this is not about that individual thing. This is not about that individual spotlight. It's about working together as a team and getting better and better and better. And when you watch the way that those that compete against Georgia can't even seem to get started they can't even seem to get out of the starting block on this you realize what Georgia's doing really is all the more special now listen there is a part of me that likes being really spiteful and I not only do I like celebrating in Georgia's successes I also love reveling in Georgia's rivals misery and pretty clearly Saturday offered you a great chance to do some of that because Tennessee fans thought this was gonna be their big moment their chance to salvage something from their season and they were gonna repay what Georgia created for the dogs against Tennessee last year in Sanford Stadium they were gonna repay that to Georgia on Saturday and as you've seen from social media including my own Twitter feed by the time you got to the second half most of those Tennessee fans a lot of them uh, much like Dolly Parton long since been home well before the game came to a conclusion so that's clearly a rival that imploded right there in front of our very eyes but in addition to that you had Florida desperate to try to become bowl eligible chokes away a chance to win at Missouri on Saturday in somewhat embarrassing fashion but the most embarrassing of all was another hated rival of Georgia Auburn y'all they lost by three touchdowns to New Mexico State New Mexico State this is what's happening around Georgia and listen I wish I didn't revel in this kind of thing so much. I wish I was the kind of person that was sort of better than that. But listen, I am who I am, I guess. And I do find all of that to be really very funny. Uh, How embarrassing Tennessee is right now. The fact they don't even belong in the same field with Georgia. The fact that Florida uh, now sets bowl eligibility as an aspiration, a, a program goal, and they can't even seemingly achieve that and uh florida is losing to the not the aggies of texas a&m but the aggies of new mexico state this truly is a wonderful time to be a georgia fan and a wonderful time to watch those that want to be where georgia is who are hungry to get even some of the success that georgia's enjoyed uh you find out well those programs may be hungry for that but georgia itself is even hungrier to kind of keep leading the way and keep disting itself from the likes of the Tennessees and the Floridas and the Auburns. And once again, there on Saturday, Kirby Smart talked more about exactly how it is that Georgia's able to keep coming back and doing this year after year after year and leaving the kinds of programs that used to be like measuring sticks for Georgia, leaving those programs in the dust. Here's more of Kirby Smart talking about that and the, just the sense of appreciation for the success that Georgia's currently enjoying. That's the one thing I can control as a coach is, is how we sustain, how we retain our retention and our, our, and our ability to sustain. It's incredible. i got a great uh, footprint to recruit from. I've got an unbelievable uh, administration that supports what we want to do. But it's not easy, guys. Like, it's hard to win. And I don't appreciate that sometimes 
until you're talking to the coach before the game. It doesn't matter. I'm not talking about talking about Josh. I'm just saying in general, like, man, it's hard to do what y'all done. It's hard. And I don't think that the staff, I'm talking about me, the staff and the players get enough credit because, you know, people have letdowns. People have bad games. and. Yeah, so listen, people do have letdowns, people do have bad games, and yet, as Kirby Smart said, yet Georgia somehow has found a way to sustain it, and privately other coaches acknowledge to Kirby, gosh, the fact that you guys keep doing this, it's just really hard to do, and yet y'all do it really well, and you know, here's the point this sort of leads to for me, and I'm going to be kind of a dork for like two seconds, I apologize. There's an author named Malcolm Gladwell, written a bunch of books, I think some of them are pretty interesting. Uh, years ago, I used to read, you know, a lot of these, and one of the books that he wrote was called David and Goliath. Many of you are fam- you know, familiar with the very famous story from the Bible of David and Goliath, and obviously David and Goliath has a little bit of like a sort of a representation of what we sort of think of as the typical underdog story that the David the underdog takes on Goliath the heavy favorite and David finds a way to win and you know and a lot of times in sports lore David and Goliath is sort of used as kind of an allegory of hey when a little team's trying to be a big team you know the the you know the David is the big underdog against the heavy favorite the bigger Goliath here but what Malcolm Gladwell once wrote in his book David and Goliath it's probably worth reading I think it's an interesting book is that we have a tendency to think of Goliath is the heavy favor because he was bigger and David as the huge underdog because David was much smaller, had less weapons, things like that. He had his slingshot, as you know, you know, Goliath's got all the swords and stuff like that. But what Gladwell makes a big point of in this book is, is that actually David was probably the favorite over Goliath, if you really look at it, because while Goliath was bigger and had all this armor, the armor made him stiff and his size made him difficult to move and you know there's one thing that that gladwell says about at one point goliath says hey come fight me in other words uh goliath you know couldn't go to him he just couldn't move around well enough to do that but david was much more nimble and was able to kind of you know get into a position make the slingshot and of course the rest is uh, you know history as they say but that's kind of the point that gladwell made was is that because the the smaller david was more nimble and freer to move around you know he was able to put himself in position to win and the bigger stiffer heavy favorite goliath what we would perceive was actually not a favorite at all and my point in saying all that is this is there's a way of of looking at this from a college ball standpoint too where as georgia gets bigger and bigger and bigger as a program piling up national championships piling up success sometimes that level of achievement can kind of create a little bit of an unbearable weight right it's all of a sudden there's a georgia way of doing things and that means you know we can't go into the transfer portal because this is not the way we do things or we can't do the nil because that's not the way we do things or we can't whatever just sort of fill in the blank here of at a certain point your achievement kind of creates sort of a stiffness of the program of you know we have to do things a, a certain kind of way and we can't be quick we can't be nimble And you would think the teams that are chasing Georgia, like Tennessee, who was on the same field with the dogs on Saturday, or Auburn, who got embarrassed against New Mexico State, or Florida, who thinks that just because they go out and hire a guy like Billy Napier, they're going to magically start getting the kinds of players that Georgia has had. Um, You would think these programs trying to chase Georgia would have the chance, like we're we're told, you know, David might have been, you know, a little more nimble and a little more motivated, a little hungrier, and therefore they can be more aggressive in the transfer portal. And they can be more aggressive in some case with NIL. And we have evidence that in, in some respects programs like this have been much more aggressive than Georgia in those types of environments. And yet it doesn't seem to be helping them on the field. 
because while Georgia is the big bad, you know, kind of leader in the sport right now, that big bad quality is not making them stiff and it's not making them rigid. It's not working against them. They're not they're not crumbling under the weight of their own expectations. They're just hungry to go out and get more success. I think that's really, really cool. And it, you'll hear me say this a lot. I've said it before. It doesn't guarantee anything moving forward. Kirby Smart even alluded to this a moment ago. At some point in time, this winning streak that George is on is going to end. But he says when it does end, we'll just dust ourselves back off and start putting together a new winning streak, which is kind of the mindset you need to make sure this thing keeps rolling along. Georgia plays as the favorite, as the top dog in the sport, with the same insatiable hunger to climb that it had before it got there. That, that's really a special, I think, thing. And that really is, I think, a very interesting description of exactly what Georgia is. And when you're there on Saturday, I, I was lucky enough to be in the stadium, or if you're watching on TV, it is just really a marvel to watch. This team gives up another opening drive touchdown, and Kirby Smart was even able to joke about that once again after the game. And then they just sort of dust themselves off and they just go right back to work and they start doing Georgia-like stuff. Carson Beck has the big game. Uh, you know, uh, there's no Ladd McConkey uh, out there. So you go to Dylan Bell. Dylan Bell has the big game. Defensively, they locked down Tennessee and they just started putting together play after play after play. And they piled up moment after moment after moment. And once again, it's another easy win for UGA but it's not as easy as Georgia makes it look. So everyone deserves credit. Kirby for being the architect of all this, the Georgia coaches who help implement that plan and that strategy, and the players who buy into it all. 8-0 again in the SEC, 28 consecutive wins, history seeming to be made every single time that Georgia goes out there. And as UGA fans, we reflect here on this Thanksgiving week, one of the things that we have to be most thankful for as a fan right now is for everything that george has done the best may still be yet to come my name is brandon adams and this is dog nation daily the daily podcast for georgia bulldogs fans presented today by pella window indoor of georgia and we are happy to have you with us no matter how you get to us today live on video 10 a.m uh, of course, across all video platforms. Prior to that, 945, first and 15, dognation.com, and on the Dog Nation app. We're just really, really happy to have you as a part of our program here today. And a big thanks to our friends at Pella Window and Door of Georgia for making it all possible. Energy-efficient windows and doors. That is what Pella Window and Door of Georgia is all about. And this time of year, I kind of think about that because it's breezy outside. Uh, can get a little cold at night, especially, and pretty soon it'll be kind of just sort of cold forever. And when something like that happens, you know, what you don't want on the inside of your house is, especially if you've ever been to like an old house, like your grandparents' house growing up or something like that, you're kind of walking through the house, you get that sort of drafty feel. You sort of feel cold air coming in from somewhere, just sort of feels drafty. That's not what you want. And that's what Pella Window and Door of Georgia uh, helps prevent for you. They just, uh, they remove all of that. They're able to give you those energy efficient windows and doors so your house looks good on the outside, better curb appeal, feels better on the inside. Just a great way to enjoy all of that. So make sure you check out our friends at Pella Window and Door of Georgia today. Now, you can stop by and see them, Experience Center there in Duluth, uh, or you can have them come to you. They'll come right to you and one of their Pella experts sort of walk through the entire 
installation options, the financing options if need to, kind of describe the product line there to you there as well. You can do it virtually if you'd prefer to do that. You can also reach out to the website, PellaofGA.com slash DogNation. We'll give that to you today, PellaofGA.com slash DogNation. Make sure you check out Pella Window and Door of Georgia. Happy to be having them bring the show to us here today. Now, if you're watching on video a moment ago, and we showed you the desk. You saw the sign right there on the front of that. How about go for three and 23? That is the mission that Georgia is currently on. And as a way of celebrating the start of that with the postseason run for Georgia beginning two Saturdays from now in the SEC championship, I'm proud to announce if you are at Dog Nation Evasion and you want some more of Dog Nation, or if you weren't able to be with us in Knoxville for our Dog Nation Evasion on the Tennessee River, but you want to be a part of the next big event that we're doing here around Dog Nation, well, the time to act on this is right now. You've only got a limited number of days here to get involved on our next big event it's our go for three in 23 tailgate uh there at the home depot backyard prior to the sec championship two saturdays from right now you know how amazing this is we've been able to do this the last couple of years here around dog nation and we're able to do that for you again today there as well and here's one thing i'll tell you is that behind the scenes the work on this has been incredibly challenging somewhat to sort of get all this in place the way that we've kind of done this before because we want to make this as big as anything that we do and obviously it takes a lot to get that to happen and uh, I'm very very thankful to say it's kind of fallen into place for this year there as well so we want you there obviously these tickets always go fast so please make sure you go to dognation.com our website right now you'll see the link for the go for three in 23 tailgate opportunity click in that be a part of what has been just a wonderful celebration of everything that georgia has a chance to do from december all the way through the end of this potentially magical season take advantage of the great food the beverage maybe a go for three and 23 t-shirt uh for the, those of you that get signed up you know how we love to do that uh just the same way i'm wearing a great dog nation invasion of the tennessee river shirt today uh i am hearing tell there could be some really cool go for three and 23 t-shirts being given out there that day but you got to act right now to get involved and be a part of all of this so please make sure you go to dognation.com for a lot more on that all right we've got john stench here coming up in a moment prior to that let's go around the doghouse here today and i want to deal with the injury situation for georgia here just for a moment obviously on in saturday's game we saw tate ratledge uh leave for a while um went to the locker room and after the game kirby smart said that what it really happened was kind of banged knees uh smart will give us more of an update on this today but kind of banged knees it sounds like in the case of ratledge he's fine sounds like wide receiver Ra Ra thomas is also a little banged up right now too which i think is maybe a slightly more uncertain we'll look to hear more about that but uh, in addition to Ra Ra and ratledge i also wanted to spend a second here on lad mcconkey now the perception that i originally had on mcconkey was we're not seeing him on saturday that therefore you're talking about a guy who you know dealt with a little bit of an ankle last week against Ole miss you know much the same way they've been kind of cautious with mcconkey when it comes to his back injury i think the hope was well they were also just kind of being cautious with mcconkey when it comes to the to the game there against tennessee there as well perhaps but the different thing the ankle but after the game when smart talked about the mcconkey thing there was something that he said that gave me a little bit of concern relative to i guess the sort of the typical thing of oh yeah we think he's going to be fine we think he could have played 
that's not exactly what they said about what that's not exactly what Kirby Smart said after this game on Saturday so let me give you a little bit of Kirby here post game on Ladd McConkey, his status and there was something from this comment from Smart that sort of jumped out to me a little bit let me let you hear it this is what Kirby Smart said after the game Saturday night so Ladd got an ankle last week uh and he didn't practice all week and thought he would be able to go and uh, was was not really able to go I think he tried and he got on their warm-ups did some things but he didn't he didn't practice all week it happened in the game uh so the thing that kind of stands out to me a little bit there was the statement from smart that mcconkey didn't practice at all last week and obviously that would lead you to believe this wasn't the oh yeah we just sort of held him out we think it's fine if you're not practicing at all that gives you an idea this was slightly more serious than that so i do believe that the mcconkey situation's probably worth monitoring there's also some online chatter out there about that right now obviously too admittedly that's not particularly positive here right now so i'm speaking to you uh, you know right nearly uh 10 30 in the morning here on a monday we'll hear kirby smart about an hour and a half or so from now and i do believe any kind of further update if smart's willing to give it on land mcconkey is going to be pretty important because it sounds like his injury may be slightly worse or perhaps a good bit worse than i initially hoped and thought that it perhaps would be so this is definitely a situation worth monitoring and i know that saturday was another one of these days i mentioned a moment ago of okay well there's no lad mcconkey so dylan bell goes out there and has the game of his life and there was no brock bowers and so therefore you know you had lad mcconkey having the game of his life i know there's this thought of whatever Georgia's faced with it just puts a new guy into a starring role and that guy goes out there and thrives and perhaps that's what will continue to happen clearly that's what Georgia has been able to do we obviously appreciate that but I also want to be realistic here that the McConkie injury if it is indeed something more serious than just we kept him out because we were just you know trying to monitor him and be cautious if it ends up being more serious about that this would be a big deal for Georgia in the postseason because last year McConkie was one of Georgia's most important players in that championship run I do believe that right now he stands as Georgia's best deep threat wide receiver the Florida game was the biggest proof of that obviously this is a bona fide legitimate playmaker and his injury status is going to be one worth watching it's not a season ender for Georgia of course if McConkie's not going to be a full go the rest of the way but this is one of the more substantial injuries that Georgia could sustain if that's what this is let's watch it closely let's listen in and hear what Kirby Smart has to say about this but the McConkie ankle now a little bit of a big deal and a little bit of a potentially developing storyline we'll see what new information we get there on that and make that around the doghouse here today on dog nation daily presented by palo window and door of georgia so wonderful weekend for uga as we said before big win against a rival a lot of other georgia rivals uh really looking pretty bad which gives a lot of us plenty to laugh at and plenty to enjoy so we'll keep doing that before we're done we'll also look at some of the other big stories around college football here for this weekend including how the kind of playoff landscape starts to take shape around uga we had a couple of very interesting new data points added into all of that we'll also begin more of our kind of look back on dog nation evasion of the tennessee river with a wonderful collection of golden shoes coming up here in just a little bit that is going to be a lot of fun there as well but for now here on our program dog nation daily presented by palo window and door of georgia let us also get ready to get more thoughts on the win that was and what happens next for uga great got to do this with on a monday it is John Stinchcomb in our Marlowe's Tavern Insider Update here on Dog Nation Daily today. 
from Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. So let's say hello to John Stinchcomb, Dog Nation Insider Update, presented by Marlowe's Tavern, here for a moment. And John, certainly seems like there's a lot of really fun stuff to look back on when it comes to this win at Tennessee. What stood out to you the most? We obviously spent some time off the top of the show just talking about just how how incredible it is that that Georgia puts together the 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 run that it's put together now winning 28 straight games but whether it be that or something for this game in particular you know what stood out to you about Saturday well a couple things one Carson Beck's performance he continues to put together a season's worth of work that is truly testamentary to the preparation of the last few years you know we haven't been able to see his development uh, because of Stetson Bennett, and there were so many question marks uh, surrounding him before he took the field of, you know, how are you going to replace a guy like Stetson? And quietly and consistently, he's gone out there and performed, and I think this past weekend might have been his best performance. Looked so comfortable uh, that he was distributing the ball really well, putting it exactly where it needed to be. And on the other side of the ball, looking at the defense, Outside of that first play, their preparation was, you know, highlighted throughout the entire game. The way that after every play, you watch the way that that defenders were getting set up, knowing their opponent, how they like to play, being in good position and suffocating an, an offense that at times has posed some real difficulty to defenses. I think it just shows the, the complete nature of, that Georgia is rounding into as a team. You know, I think that's exactly right. And, you know, I'll start with the back part of that that you had to say. The way that I said this during our postgame show on Saturday was is that this is a real legitimate conversation right now about Beck being mentioned among the, if not the, very best quarterback in college football right now. And I say that knowing full well. Look, Michael Penix and Washington, they found a way to win on the road at Oregon State on Saturday. That's no easy feat. I honestly believe that Bo Nix, the Oregon quarterback, really deserves a lot of credit for how he's kind of reinvented himself in this next phase of his career there at Oregon over the course of the last couple of years. Obviously, that's the guy that Georgia fans have gotten used to beating, and we've made fun of that in the past. But the truth is, is Nix has gone out there and had a really good career. He deserves credit for that. What Jaden Daniels is doing at LSU clearly speaks for itself. And yet saying all of that, and I believe that all of those are legitimately true statements, what Beck is doing on a Saturday-by-Saturday basis John, that's more than keeping pace. I mean, I was on the field on Saturday for that game. I can tell you at the very beginning of that game, for all I want to you know, say mocking you know, Tennessee fans, the truth is they did create a loud environment. And it is the kind of thing that a lesser quarterback perhaps would have struggled in. But back right now is just not a lesser quarterback. He's playing just as well in this spot as he did last week against Ole Miss. That's a friendly confines game between the hedges. This is a hostile road environment, supposedly something that Georgia had not seen a lot of. But frankly, Georgia as a team doesn't look any different in that situation, in that scenario. And I believe that Carson Beck is a big reason why. John, it is just possibly true that Beck just may be the best quarterback in the entire sport. Isn't that wild? I mean, you, you, unknown commodity coming into this season. <clears throat> and I'd say Jaden Daniels another guy that has, um, based on his performance, moved himself into that national conversation as one of the best quarterbacks. Yeah. But you cannot leave Carson Beck off the list. Yeah, yeah, I think we knew that Penix probably was posed to have a good season this year, as was Bo Nix. But – for Carson, you, you didn't know what you had. And 
this past weekend against Tennessee, really the past three games that he's played, has shown that he's one of the very best quarterbacks in college football right now. And the the performance that he's had without Lad McConkey and without Brock Bowers and his ability to make the the guys around him uh, really look like superstars on any given week. I think has shown that he's one of the best at college football right now. And, and that's, you know, uh, unexpected to say. I, I'm not sure a lot of folks would have said that six weeks ago when you're kind of coming off some cupcake games and there was, you know, still, still concern about, you know, could he be accurate on open receivers down the field? This game against Tennessee, I mean, he was spot on with almost every pass he threw, including some incompletion so you look at his completion percentage and you know one of the first passes he threw hit I mean it was a rocket now but that's a pass that Brock Bowers usually brings in so was spot on and has been most of the season here's the other thing too I mean I you know briefly referenced this a moment ago privately I think they're pretty aggravated sometimes with the negative recruiting that they get everybody is right I mean negative recruiting is a thing that goes on oh you don't want to go to so-and-so place because of so-and-so reason and the thing that Georgia has been negatively recruited you know against with is the whole idea of it's not an offensive minded program oh it's great to go there and be you know a defensive player it's great to go there if you want to block but it's not a place that you're going to thrive offensively and yet Georgia once again scoring 40 points per game and you know once again you know kind of lighten up the scoreboard you know you have a situation where you know Joe Milton coming into this year clearly had more previous experience than Carson Beck did and yet one quarterback looks like you know as we said before potentially the best in the sport and the other guy is you know of total no consequence whatsoever so the idea that somehow the Georgia coaching staff is hamstrung when it comes to putting an offensive game plan together clearly that's not the case obvious and it's a total you know uh, rebuke to anyone who's ever tried to claim that it is and so that's the other thing John here that I think stands out about the performance from UGA is they've kind of become this year I think a, pro, a team sort of led more by the offense than the defense although I believe the defense is still really good but they're I believe more led by the offense this year than the last two national championship teams have been and so to me that's the kind of interesting subtext of all of this is that Beck is playing like a potential Heisman finalist which would be back-to-back years for Georgia if that turns out to be true for a program that supposedly doesn't get good quarterback play and doesn't have explosive offenses you know somehow you've had you know back-to-back quarterbacks playing at what I think of as sort of a Heisman finalist type level there's just a very interesting retort in all of that to the prevailing narrative that's been used against Georgia in the past oh absolutely and for the negative recruiting I mean you get it right it's the most dominant program in all of the college landscape so you're going to try to poke holes wherever you can especially because one of the main reasons for the success Georgia has had is is in recruiting so if you can try to find holes in the fence, if you will, I mean, it makes sense that other coaches are going to poke holes where they can. With that said, when you have team success, the individual awards and rewards follow. And it makes me think of there's a Norcross graduate in Jeff Backus, and he yeah. played for the Detroit Lions his entire NFL career. For those that watched, and, and not many people were watching Detroit during this era, he was one of the very best tackles in all of football during during his tenure there, but didn't get a lot of pub. Why? Because he was on the Detroit Lions, yeah. and not it wasn't a national team. Nobody's watching them. 
So there are other players that were able to be highlighted. And I say that to highlight the fact that for Georgia, the individuals do get more attention and more spotlight and more opportunity. Look at a guy like Trayvon Walker, who was able to go first overall in the NFL draft and wasn't that marquee player in any given year for Georgia. But yet, because of his contributions and because he wasn't the only guy that the Georgia defense or the Georgia football team was relying on, you were able to see that he's a special talent and the, those that know the game can pick up on the fact that he is one of the best available in that NFL draft. So, though individual success, recognition and, and awards and opportunities that are created about being on a, on a really good team is, is one of the reasons why the good players, the four- and five-star guys, they want to come and play at Georgia. They know that Kirby runs a very difficult practice. He's going to make you better. I think that's one of the best things that Georgia has done under this Kirby Smart era is develop talent. And we're not talking about you know some average talent that become pretty good. We're talking about guys that come into the college landscape as some of the very best in their position group and continue to get better, which you know, it's really hard to recruit against that. And you know, circling back to just Carson uh, and the fact that we might have a second two years in a row, a quarterback in that Heisman hunt, is uh, one of those storylines that gets squashed because uh, you can no longer say that, one, we don't have Heisman-level play, and two, specifically in that quarterback position, you're just an afterthought. That's just not that's not true. So, you know, broadening it out here a moment, I have to admit that it's as much fun for me to see Tennessee be this bad as it is for me to see Georgia be this good. <laughs> I mean, I I, I I wish I wasn't like that, John, but uh, I definitely <laughs> am. Um, so, and then in addition to that, you've got Auburn losing by three touchdowns to New oh. Mexico State, which, by the way, Unreal. on our prediction show on this past Friday, I said to Auburn, be very careful with New Mexico State. I did say that. They didn't listen, but I did tell them that. I did try to warn them. <laughs> and then Florida, you know, kind of falling and choking away their chance to get bowl eligible on the road at Missouri and providing a chance for Missouri to do the kind of the Gator Chomp celebration, you know, in their face there a little bit. I mean, John, obviously, as someone who kind of enjoys these rivalries and the sort of back and forth that fans have with each other, that's a lot of fun but it also i think gives you additional context for georgia who's as hungry for its 29th straight win which would come this saturday as these other programs are for the sort of win that would kind of give them the relevance they don't currently have and you know josh heupel you know goes to tennessee and he's got a mandate to spend all this nil money and try to level the playing field with georgia and thus far just simply can't do it billy napier two years on the job he's really no better and if perhaps probably even worse off than what Dan Mullen was, the guy that got fired before him. You know, Hugh Freeze has literally nothing to show for his first year at, at Auburn. Very, you know, sort of in a continuation of the Brian Harson era there right there. So it's obviously fun for a Georgia fan to reflect our team is as high as it's ever been while our rivals are collectively as low as they've ever been. But it's also just additional context in all of this of the fact that Georgia finds a way to maintain and keep the focus and keep the hunger, keep the connection. And and these teams that aspire to be where Georgia is, they just seemingly can't even get out of the starting block. Yeah, and I think where the praise needs to be is for Kirby Smart and his staff and really 
the entire athletic department and their ability to separate themselves because there are programs that are trying everything they know to do. We need NIL money, check. We need to go and get some of the best coaches in, that are available, check. And it still doesn't equate to success on the football field. So it is a difficult equation to crack, and Georgia has, has created that separation. In a, in a time and era where there's so many changing facets and the dynamics of putting together a successful football program are as challenging as they've ever been, Georgia's found a way to separate from the herd. And, again, I think it's a testament to all those involved. And, you know, Kirby has probably rightfully so moved the attention away from this sequence of wins that he has strung together and been a part of a historically wonderful program, back-to-back national champions, number one ranking in this third season, and, and arguably has the very best shot on another national championship at the end of this season. And when you step back and you look at it and you recognize there are some other national brands within our conference that are trying everything they know to do to no avail to close that gap, it just is astounding how uh, dominant this program has become. And I'm sure they're grateful that there's no longer divisions within our conference because – that, that separation, that gap, does not seem to be closing despite all the many efforts that are happening, whether it's you know Florida or Tennessee or our two biggest SEC East rivals or even broaden the scope, Auburn and others, Texas A&M included, that are doing everything they know to do and still not able to, to you know, move the meter in a meaningful way. You know, I think that's right. And, you know, it's also an example of how sports are different from real life. In some respects, sports can mirror real life. In other cases, it can be completely different. This, to me, an example of it being completely different because in real life, the universe is somewhat infinite, right? So it's like you can have a successful business and I can have a successful business because there's just plenty of room for a lot of people to succeed in life because there's just a lot of you know potential, a lot of resources and things like that. But in sports, we kind of draw the boundaries sort of narrowly. All of a sudden, the resources are limited and it becomes more of a zero-sum game. So in other words, as Georgia gets better, it's taking food off the table of these border state programs. And so, therefore, you know, Georgia's success does create less of an opportunity for success for these other programs. So perhaps it's not a coincidence that that Georgia is getting better and better and better and better because it's hoarding the resources player wise, for sure. Uh, Coaching talent, perhaps maybe even there as well. But it's hoarding the resources these other programs would like to have. So perhaps it's not a coincidence that Georgia is at its best simultaneously while the teams that it's always competed with are kind of at their worst because the players that Georgia is stacking up, the roster that it's building, are players that these other programs would clearly have liked to have had. Yeah, but with that said, though, the, the resources that are out there, and you look at Tennessee and you look at Texas A&M specifically, they are trying to – influence their roster based on nil dollars it is undeniable it is a major factor now of you know whether there was under the table dollars throughout the sec or throughout the ncaa football you know who knows exactly what it looks like now we know now we know who the big players are when it comes to quote unquote buying players or influencing them with you know, NIL deals or however you want to stay politically correct and say yeah. 
these dollars are influencing recruiting. Georgia has consistently been able to get players and not near at the tab that these other programs are having to spend to recruit these guys, and it's because they recognize there's more than just the immediate dollar that is a factor in where they decide to go. And, you know, we discussed this on your show a few weeks back. It's tough to, to look at this scenario and go, hmm, I could go to another school and make six figures more, or I could go to Georgia and, you know, there's still NIL money, there's still opportunities in that realm, but I also get, the opportunity to compete for a national championship, the opportunity to, to develop and compete against the very best in practice on a day-in, day-out basis and be a part of a program that has figured out that recipe for success. And I think that is very much a part of the equation and reasons why Georgia continues to get the four- and five-star athletes and was able to do that before the NIL world started to influence players' decision. I think that was one of the very best things that Kirby did from day one is when he was getting those uh, top three recruiting classes on an annual basis, you're going, this is astounding. You know, we used to uh, just celebrate the fact that, wow, this year we've got a you know top five recruiting class. And Georgia's always been great yeah. at recruiting, but it's been really special uh, these past few years and has been ramped up because of the emphasis that Kirby and his entire team has put on recruiting, and that has been the biggest, if not one of the biggest factors as to why Georgia has back-to-back national champions and an opportunity to continue that streak. I want to talk to you about this upcoming Saturday's game here in a moment. Let me, prior to that, remind folks, this is our Marlowe's Tavern Insider Update with John Stinchcomb here today. And by the way, if you want to get the best that Marlowe's has to offer as you move in to this holiday time of year, one of the best ways to do that is becoming a member of the Marlowe's Tavern Insider Club. Just for signing up, and you go to marlowestavern.com to sign up or use the Marlowe's Tavern app for that. Just for signing up, you're going to get a $10 off your $30 order at Marlowe's Tavern as a way of saying thank you to you for joining the Marlowe's Tavern Insider Club. And after that, you want to get what are called qualified visits. That's when you spend at least $15 on food or beverage there at your local Marlowe's Tavern. You earn four of those qualified visits. That's going to get you a complimentary entree reward on your next visit to Marlowe's Tavern there as well. So you'll get special deals at your birthday, things like that there too. So please make sure you check out Marlowe'sTavern.com for more on that. That's Marlowe'sTavern.com for more on that. All right, John, let me finish with this topic here. And this is one that I think is really relevant for you because you've got some personal experience with this. The thing that Georgia fans have on their mind right now is, oh, gosh, don't look, oh, don't overlook Georgia Tech. Oh, gosh, don't don't have your minds somewhere else. And I do get that, right, because, you know, SEC play is over now. To me, the Saturday after Thanksgiving always feels really weird because I think a lot of us are kind of in that sort of stupor of 15 plates of dressing and stuff like that. So we're all moving a little slower. You know, as someone who's been to a million Georgia, Georgia Tech games, the atmosphere in every year is sort of a little, I would say, a little less than the other games that Georgia somewhat plays, sometimes plays, even when there's a bunch of Georgia fans in Atlanta, even. It just sort of feels like a little bit of a lesser type thing. Clearly, Georgia's got big stuff to play for on the other side of this. And yet, fans are like, I still hate Tech. I still believe in clean old fashioned hate. I don't want Georgia to overlook Georgia Tech. And the point I'm getting to, John, is 
for whatever reason, in this particular scenario, this really hasn't been a problem for George in the past. I can't think of, perhaps someone can remind me of one, I can't think of a time in which Georgia, having clinched the SEC East, has gone on to play badly against Tech. The bad games that Georgia's had against Georgia Tech are years in which, if we're going to be honest here, that wasn't the only bad game that Georgia played that year. If we want to be really honest here for a moment, the bad games against Tech typically come in seasons when Georgia's also played some other bad games here. So back in 2002, you were the first Georgia team to ever win the SEC East. You guys beat Tech 52-7. to How did y'all keep your focus on Tech for that particular week, knowing you had the first ever trip to the SEC championship game for Georgia coming the following week? And how does this Georgia team do this again this Saturday as well? Well, I think it's something that Kirby speaks about often, and that's the culture that is a part of the program now. And it's not a focus on the opponent. It's a focus on Georgia and the guys in that locker room and performing to the very best of their ability. And that's what we see week in and week out. And that's how teams avoid those letdowns in performance is because it doesn't matter who who they're playing against. They practice so hard. Notoriously, one of the hardest practices in all of all of college football is at the University of Georgia, and that's not lost on the players, and it certainly isn't lost on fans when Saturday rolls around and you see the performance that that's on the field, and it's because they feel like I've worked too hard to come out here on a Saturday and not perform at our very best, and I don't care who it is across from us that has to receive the brunt of, of our frustrations of, you know, these physical grinder practices. But if I only have a limited number of opportunities to go out here and, and show the world the fruits of our labor, well, then we're going to take advantage of those opportunities. So it's not about who Georgia is playing. It's about Georgia playing the very best level of football that they can. And that's why they're able to – answer the bell when, you know, it's a challenging situation. It is a challenging situation when you watch film all week and you say, you know what, this team isn't as good as some of the other opponents we faced, and this team isn't as good as our guys. We should win this game. Mentally, that is a challenge. It is a challenge as a player to, to get prepared, and how you face that challenge is recognize, I don't care who I'm going up against, it's about us playing our best version of of football and that's how they've been able to you know even the game against Tennessee they couldn't have started started off any worse you're in a hostile environment and you give them you feed the flames with a 75 yard touchdown and say man this could be one of those games that is a challenge and never once did Georgia flinch they just they they continued to Say that's you know that's one play. We're on to the next one. We're we're going to attack this moment, which is what Kirby and his staff has preached, and that entire team has bought into. Let me squeeze in something really really quick because I've kept you long. I want to be respectful of your time, but um, you know even at the high school level, and I love Georgia high school football. And one of the things that coaches oftentimes say to each other is the goal of every team is they want to practice on Thanksgiving Day. That can let you know you're kind of moving on. What this year is the quarterfinal round. You want to be practicing on Thanksgiving Day because that means you're making a deep playoff run. So the point here is even at the high school level, players have a little bit of experience with their seasons overlapping with the holiday time of year. The fact that this is the week of Thanksgiving 
is that an easy thing for players to avoid the the distraction of i mean how easy is it to kind of live parallel of okay my well, my grandmother wants me to come over for thanksgiving day but i've also got to get ready for you know bloody tuesday there as well like how do you do both those things in the same week well i didn't recognize the challenges of juggling uh, holiday schedules until i was done playing it is uh, quite a challenge yeah to figure out how to to make all the moms and grandparents and aunts and uncles happy uh, when you manage the holidays. But as a football player, you're used to routine. And, uh, you know, they'll accommodate in some ways. They'll either move practice up or give you time to, you know, chew on some turkey with loved ones that are able to come to town, which is what we did. I mean, back in 20 years ago when I was in Athens as a player, my folks would come up and we'd celebrate thanksgiving at at the apartment there and for any other teammates that didn't have anywhere to go they're welcome to to come spend it with us and you recognize that you know just because we don't have the same last name doesn't mean we're not family and especially in the locker room um, those bonds are, are thicker sometimes and stronger than those with just blood relations so you know, you, you find ways to, to get together and celebrate, but um, you'd get used to that routine of, of being a part of the team and, and football being one of the big priorities. So it, it actually, whether you recognize it at the time or not, because I certainly didn't, um, it, it helps to free you from some of the stresses that can come come with the holidays well john speaking of all of that we are certainly very grateful to have you as a part of our show each and every week and we hope that you and your family have a wonderful thanksgiving here this week there as well it's fun to have these conversations on a weekly basis and kind of fun to also kind of pause and reflect on the other great things in our life there as well that's obviously what thanksgiving is all about so enjoy it eat some good food and of course we'll look forward to talking to you very soon here on dog nation daily in our marlowe's tavern insider update again as well Appreciate you, B.A. It's always great to be a Bulldog. Very thankful for it and uh, thankful for the opportunity to be a part of Dog Nation. So appreciate you. Go dogs. Thank you, John. Appreciate it. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Fruit. Yeah, I love Thanksgiving, and I'm glad to hear John's thoughts on that, too, because it does seem like it's hard, right? I mean, it does seem like the idea of navigating the – the 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 holiday time of year while also staying sort of the football vibe is difficult and frankly i think it's difficult for fans too i mean i'm telling you right now i've been going to georgia georgia tech games my entire life and as i told john earlier you know i I wouldn't put the georgia georgia tech atmosphere even in a good year up against the other games that georgia plays i think there's something weird about the saturday after thanksgiving i do now it's perhaps different other places because let's face it clean old-fashioned eight does not have the same level of intensity that iron bowl does or some of the other rivalries that get played on this final week of the year in fact i don't even know that i put it in the same category as the other kind of overlapping sec acc in-state rivals like we see with florida florida state clemson south carolina kentucky louisville there's something about this that just sort of feels a little bit different and we're obviously talking more about the georgia georgia tech rivalry throughout the year or should say throughout this week i mean to say it is very important to a lot of you and we'll you know kind of address it as such but interesting to kind of think about how you get your focus how you get your mind right i do believe that kirby smart has taken a similar tact on that the last few years it seems to be working and we'll probably address more about that as the uh as the week goes on because i think we even got another example of that 
earlier this year about exactly how Smart chooses to approach this game. We'll give you more of that as we get a little deeper into the week. For now, though, how about cruising around the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean? Now, on Saturday, I was happy to be uh, cruising on the Tennessee River, as you see our Dog Nation Invasion t-shirt. But as I told our folks on video that day, I'm a big believer that proximity to water is a great judge of how I guess happy your life probably is on a given basis and so uh while we're looking forward to or certainly looking back on and enjoying our cruise on the Tennessee River on Saturday also gives a chance to look ahead to cruising around the SEC courtesy of uh Royal Caribbean here today and our Dog Nation cruise coming up in April and that was the one thing that kept coming up on board the riverboat on Saturday is gosh doing this makes me want to go on that Dog Nation cruise people would say to us and honestly and I would tell them this because here's what we kind of know is right it's like i do these ads for a living that's how i feed my family but obviously the companies that we get a chance to work with here at dog nation i'm very thankful to say i do genuinely believe in and i do have a great deal of confidence that that introducing people to the products and services that we get a chance to to interact with here is going to make your life really better and i think the chance to be on a royal caribbean cruise vacation with us in april is a really good thing and i was telling this to the people in person there on saturday that this is not just me being paid to say that that's something i do truly believe and i do really enjoy when folks sign up to come on the dog nation cruise when they have a good time it's just something that's very satisfying for me so jessica slater a great travel agent specially selected for us by royal caribbean she wants to help you out with all that so give her a call 770-718-9147 that's 770-718-9147 you can also email her at jslater at dreamvacations.com and she's put together a wonderful website it's called royaldogs.com dogs of course spelled the way that it's supposed to be d-a-w-g-s royaldogs.com that gives you all the information you need about the upcoming dog nation cruise as i'm talking you see that great video the concept art for icon of the seas which will debut in january as many of you are aware of i am very lucky to have my chance to be on board that there as well coming up really soon really excited about all of that all right so let's talk about the playoff race here for a moment because there were a couple of results on saturday that i do think have an impact on that for those who wanted chaos you didn't really get that you had teams ranked near the top who continue to win obviously georgia leading the way they're on that michigan slight struggle with maryland but ultimately kind of an inconsequential result ohio state in the big 10 you know kind of very much the same way but when you get below that and that sort of four or five spot that's where things get interesting florida state has been there uh in the in the uh uh number four spot but you're left to wonder how long they can remain there after the really really tough gruesome injury for jordan travis the florida state quarterback and look one of the things that you can bet on if you want to and this is always kind of one of my favorite kind of college football bets to sort of think about and talk about i think it's just a fun is they have what they call like a yes no bet on the college football playoff yes will this team make it no will will they miss it and you can bet either side of that and coming into saturday florida state was about a what plus 250 on the no side of things in terms of missing the college football playoff you know you could have gotten slightly decent odds on the seminoles ranked in the top four to miss the playoff i think you're about to see those odds really come down here in terms of the likelihood that florida state uh you know will miss the playoff and i think this is true for a couple of reasons a 
without Jordan Travis, not only is the ACC title game against Louisville now much more difficult to win, I think even the Florida game could be a little bit more difficult for uh, Florida State to win with no Jordan Travis. But even beyond that, when one of the intense debates going to happen in the upcoming days is, is how the committee would treat a potentially undefeated Florida State that no longer has Jordan Travis. One of the things we've heard from the committee in the past is, is they function, they say anyway, more like what the NCAA basketball tournament selection committee does, which they consider injuries. We've seen before, you know, team that perhaps deserved a high seed, they lose a star player to injury. All of a sudden, that team gets a worse seed because of that, because they're being reevaluated on the basis of the injury. And I do believe the committee would reserve the right to do that with Florida State, too. Now, ultimately, the committee is going to do whatever it wants to do, and it's just going to justify its reasoning after the fact. We know that they enjoy that flexibility. But it is well within their rights, and they've claimed this before, to judge Florida State harshly, even if it's undefeated, but does not have Jordan Travis. Keep your eye on that as potentially a very, very big storyline here coming up. The idea of the Seminoles without Jordan Travis could win out, but still perhaps not make the college football playoff, especially given the overall crowded nature of the playoff field. Now, the team ranked just below Florida State in the recent top 25, obviously comes out again tomorrow night, has been Washington. And Washington, to its credit, and against my prediction, by the way, but to its credit, goes into Corvallis, Oregon, and wins on Saturday against Oregon State. The Beavers were a small favorite there in that spot, but Washington ultimately earns the win. So, you know, credit to the Huskies for that. Now, here's something else you're about to hear a lot more. You're already hearing this some. I think it's a fair comparison. You're going to about perhaps start hearing it more which is that Washington sort of starts to feel like this year's TCU a little bit where, you know, last year TCU just kept winning, kept winning, kept winning closely, 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 oftentimes closer than the experts thought it should be. But nonetheless, they're finding a way to win. They're kind of pulling out games in which statistically it seemed unlikely. They're undefeated. They make the run of the college football playoff. It sort of feels like right now Washington is that kind of team. Even the comparison of like Max Dugan a year ago to, to Michael Penix this year, even that sort of comparison sort of plays out. Both teams wear purple, I guess, if you want to you know keep the narrative going. That sort of works well there on that too. But Washington is just one of those teams that has seemingly been on the verge of a loss all year long. And to the Huskies' credit, they still haven't taken one. Uh, sitting here now at 11-0 with the Apple Cup coming up on Saturday and a potential rematch with Oregon in the Pac-12 title game, all of a sudden Washington, who's supposed to be at any point in time giving up its status as a playoff contender, they are just not doing that. So right now, with two in-state rivalry games to come here, you have got both Washington and Oregon very much alive for the college football playoff and if both these teams win here this week that sets up what i think is almost a virtual guarantee that the winner of the pac-12 title game will emerge with one of the playoff spots in hand but obviously takes away a playoff spot from somebody else the other team that's kind of just below that obviously is texas uh you know texas also took care of its business against iowa state there on saturday there as well you know so all of a sudden you're talking about that team you know, kind of keeping pace and keeping the discussion going here and so the more these teams are kind of ranked in between georgia at one and alabama at eight the more these teams keep winning the more the spaces are kind of occupied to prevent what we've seen the last two years which is a runner-up in a conference title game last year it was ohio state year before that it was georgia the runner-up in a conference title game making the college football playoff this seems to be the kind of year where that might not be necessarily an easy thing to do well arkansas won on saturday against an inconsequential opponent but the more important news than that is the announcement from hunter your the uh arkansas athletic director that sam Pittman is going to return 
in 2024, which thrills me. I love Coach Pittman and love cheering for the Hogs with him as the coach. It also probably surprises me a little bit, too. Thought we were probably heading for one thing. We're actually heading for something different here now with Pittman returning for the upcoming season. Maybe the crowded nature of SEC coaching searches causes Arkansas to rethink this, or perhaps they just really believe that Pittman can kind of get it turned around here. Clearly, the most important thing for Pittman is going to be what he does with his offensive coordinator. He really benefited from having Kendall Browse in this role uh, for a couple of years. Browse obviously left after last season to go to TCU. Dan Enos, uh, Pittman's good friend, was not a good hire, fired during the season. So moving forward, what they do at the offensive coordinator spot is going to be a pretty big deal. There have been some rumors out there about Dowell Loggins, who had been tight ends coach at uh, Arkansas, became South Carolina offensive coordinator, that Loggins could be mentioned as the next offensive coordinator here. That's literally just a rumor. Uh, But, you know, watching to see what Pittman does on the offensive side of the ball is going to end up being a very big deal for the Hogs here this offseason. But we're obviously very happy that Pittman's going to return because, to me, college ball is better with these kinds of coaches in the sport. Obviously, you know, we love Kirby Smart, but not every coach has to be like Kirby Smart. I think there's a way to be a little different than Smart and kind of chart your own course and perhaps cultivate a little bit different kind of personality, which I think Pittman, to his credit, has done. And so uh, good to have him returning. Now, another coach who I think has kind of done the same thing for his own program is Shane Beamer there as well. A little bit different guy, type of guy than Pittman, of course, but another guy that's sort of charting his own course from a personality standpoint. And South Carolina got a big win on Saturday against Kentucky. Now, it doesn't feel big because we're late season and this is just about you know the chance to preserve an opportunity to even be bowl eligible. But these are the kinds of games that keep a program from completely falling apart. And it's the kind of loss – Uh, that South Carolina avoids that the Arkansas and the Floridas and the Tennessees for the most part are not really avoiding right now the year we said coming into the year that year three was going to be really hard for Shane Beamer and for Josh Heupel these guys kind of moving into that year because program growth from where they had been after the first two years just not an easy thing to conjure up it's just not an easy thing Uh, and so salvaging anything to make your fans feel any kind of positive way about the program is probably the kind of thing you want to do and for the folks who saw this game I think you'll say Gamecock fans created an incredible environment is it Darude is that how you say the guy's name who did Sandstorm the 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 song that South Carolina has used to kind of fire up the crowd for a good number of years he was there in person so it seemed like it was a pretty cool environment there and obviously a little bit of a personal win for Beamer over Stoops because they've had a kind of a war of words back and forth with each other here a little bit war of words uh with each other so you know, pretty good night for South Carolina and the kind of thing the SEC provides. We're kind of even down the docket a little bit. You have games that sort of feel like something. Pretty intense atmosphere there. South Carolina gets the win. We'll give them some credit for that. And we'll make it cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. Now, as we wrap up here today, let me beg your pardon on one thing. We have gotten as many good golden shoe submissions from a lot of people on the boat with us on saturday as we've ever gotten i've never felt so well stocked with worthy submissions for the golden shoe so y'all give us a few days here over the course of the next few days we're just going to kind of roll out sights and sounds of all of this and hopefully it'll motivate you if you're on the fence while you can while there's inventory available to jump in here and be a part of our dog nation go for three and 23 tailgate next saturday at the sec championship when you see all the great fun people are having with us 
uh, on our Dog Nation invasion of the Tennessee River here uh, this past Saturday. So we're going to do a bunch of great golden shoes over the course of the next few days. Let's do a few for you here right now. Uh, Billy Hurley, another one of the guys that sent the uh, great photo of the Dog Nation invasion riverboat on the SEC network on Saturday. I mean, how cool does that look? What, and what I like about Billy's photo is you can kind of see the Dog Nation flag, uh, not only the, the Dog Nation kind of wrap around the boat, but also one of the Dog Nation flags flying on the riverboat there as well. Like this just really came off very, very well. And Billy's photo from the SEC Network gives us a good sense of that. Billy, I really, really appreciate that. Thank you very much. How about our next golden shoe here, too, goes the way of William Perry, who was actually with us on the Dog uh, Nation invasion on the Tennessee River. He says, inspired by Logan Booker, which is one of our friends from 960 The Ref, and since the only reason the Vols lost in Athens last year is because of the rainwater, I brought an emergency kit, a.k.a. Athens Rainwater Williams. There you go. So that's the Athens, Georgia rainwater that William took into the stadium on Saturday. Now, normally when you see a clear jar inside Neyland Stadium, that's a very different kind of thing, if you get my drift. But in this particular case, that's the Athens, uh, Georgia rainwater. And if you're watching on video, how funny is the Tennessee fan in the background there? Uh, clearly nonplussed by the uh, presence of so many Georgia fans in the stadium. Pretty good stuff from William. William will give you a golden shoe from that. And you can tell that's still early in the game because Tennessee fans were still present at the game. Uh, but William, very, very funny stuff. How about our next one here? Uh, Brian Whitehead shows the uh, goalpost, and he says, the goalpost at Neyland Stadium, Mark safe from being thrown today into the Tennessee River. And indeed, that is the case. Goalpost, nothing to worry about there. They did not get drowned. And to the uh, river keepers up there in the uh, volunteer state, no pollution on this particular Saturday. You don't have to worry about the uh, water being, the water quality being tarnished by the goalpost being thrown in because when when Tennessee's playing Georgia, those goalposts are not in much jeopardy of being torn down. Very funny stuff from Brian Whitehead. We appreciate that. How about our next one here there as well? Uh, Mike the Mad Dog says, when you get your butt spanked in front of 101,915 people, go dogs. And it is Kirby Smart taking care of business against Josh Heupel. Is that our last one for today? Yeah, that's our last one for today. So we'll give you a million of these over the course of the next few days because a lot of y'all really outdid yourself. And for those of you who are kind enough to share on your own social media, us hanging out together for the Dog Nation invasion, we want to give you the love you deserve for that there as well. For now, though, no love to be given when it comes to those lousy, stinking Gators and the embarrassment of losing again and the likelihood they will not be bowl eligible and that they got mocked unmercilessly. Mercilessly? Mercilessly? Yeah, mer- <laughs> easy for me to say. Unmercilessly at the hands of the... Uh, uh, or no, I guess it's be mercilessly. That's the word I'm looking for. I get the hands of uh, Missouri. 1108 days. I do know that for sure. That's how long it's been since Florida's beaten Georgia. And that is a great way to close things out today on a day in which D- Georgia stands so much taller than all of its hated rivals. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Dog Nation Daily presented by Pella Window Indoor of Georgia. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody.